another episode of Franzen's Furlong. I'm pleased to say Rob's with me as ever. How are you, Rob? Very well, thank you. England's win yesterday, getting off the mark in the Euros. Yeah, great performance yesterday. I thought, I mean, we discussed earlier, I thought the first 20 minutes played very, very well. Obviously, just sort of took the tempo down a bit after that, but always start with a win and crack on, really, isn't it? It's uh, any particular yeah. players catch your eye? Uh, well, Calvin Phillips was great, wasn't he? Just dominating the midfield, put a few lovely balls balls in. Sterling was surprisingly good as well, um, given he's not had much game time or form for City. He's, he seemed to be right up for it for England. So, yeah, bodes well. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? It was, it was a good performance. Let's not get too carried away. As long as we beat the Scots next week, you know, that's the main thing. I mean, they yeah, they, poor they today. look pretty poor today. Yeah, I watched a bit of it. Watched a bit of it earlier. They're going to have to really that up their game for Friday. But local derby, anything can happen. So, Euros are cracking on. Uh, selections. If you'd listened to our previous podcast, thanks for all those who did. Uh, you'd have heard that uh, we had some thoughts about the Euros as a whole. So do tune into that if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, and <coughs> yeah, I mean the Dutch started with a win, so I was fairly happy. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to a great tournament on the horizon this week. I mean, this is going to be a Royal Ascot special. We're going to preview tomorrow's action, like Tuesday's action at Royal Ascot in detail and touch on Wednesday and Thursday. And then we're going to give you a part two on Thursday night, which is going to preview Friday and Saturday's action. Um, first of all, though, just on a non-Royal Ascot, we have got the US Open golf starting on Thursday, which is at Torrey Pines in America. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's the US Open. And going to be a bit of a bomber's paradise, I think. It's, it's a regular stop on the US tour. Going to favour ball strikers. Rob, is there any bets you, you fancy for, for next week? Yeah, I've got two, Dan. Uh, I like Brooks Kepka. He was really good in the PGA, just missing out to Phil Mickelson. So I think he'll, he'll carry on that form for the US Open. Uh, and then I've got a, <coughs> a bit of an outsider pick. So Ryan Palmer at 150 to 1. So as you said before, they, they visit Torrey Pines on the, on the normal US PGA Tour. And he's been second in that tournament twice. Um, so he obviously likes the course, plays well there. And 100 to 150 to one, when you can get generally 10 places on each way, one fifth odds. I think that looks like a, a tasty bet. How about yourself, Dan? Yeah, well, I, as I said, I, I fancy ball strikers. The players are going to get it out there quite a long way. So Bryson, I know I've been banging on about Bryson for a while for the PGA, etc. But he won the US Open last year. Torrey Pines, I think, is going to really suit him. Uh, I think it's all today if he's got his head switched on or not you never know which price is going to turn up but really like Tony Finau as well 25 to 1 Tony's got a really good record on the regular stop on the um, on, on the US tour he's, he's been there and done it I mean he's come in the top five he's a top fiver let's be honest he's not a winner of these events but he's a top five he regularly places in the top five in Torrey Pines I think it's three in the last five or six years three times he's finished in the top five so I think he's a rock solid bet 25 to 1 let's get him in the top 10 get you know, five, six to one on the on the place terms. So I think I think I like Tony Finn out twenty five to one. I think those would be my two two at two angles this week. But as we know, this week's more about for us as a betting angle for Royal Ascot. And it starts tomorrow, the sort of marquee week of the flat season. Starts with Tuesday. Tuesday's Super Tuesday at Royal Ascot, you get three group ones. We're gonna preview them now in more detail and we're gonna have a look at the Prince of Wales on Wednesday and the Gold Cup on Thursday as well as sort of talking about some, some other bets here and there. Rob, Tuesday, curtain raiser, Queen Anne, one mile. Tell us all about it. 
well, you've already explained it there, Dan. So yeah, group, <laughs> Sorry. First group one of the of the well, first race of the Royal Ascot meeting. Um, group one, four year olds plus one mile, and it's all about Palace Pier, isn't it? So Palace Pier's sort of odds-on favourite, two to five. Um, he won the Lockinge earlier in the year. Won last year St James's Palace. Um, looks like an absolute champion. The only slight dip in his form was was last year on Champions Day where um, he was third but it was on soft ground and he supposedly lost the shoe so you can sort of draw put a line through that other than that he's he seems unbeatable isn't he yeah I mean similar conversation we had for the lock-in wasn't it when he was going yeah. there yeah, I, he was very impressive that day in the lock-in on yeah. the ratings nothing's within five pounds of him I, he looked like he wasn't even trying in the lock-ins, to be honest. Well, interesting, if you listen to Frankie Tesori after the race, he said he normally takes a bit of stoking up to get him going, get him firing. Yeah. So three furlongs out, he brought him out for a run on the on the sort of near side rail at Newbury. And he sort of went, I'm going to have to stoke him up. And he said he just took off. He said he gave him one sort of shake of the reins and he yeah. absolutely took off. And Frankie went, well, I'll just have to go now then because there's <laughs> no stopping him. He just went. I think he went a bit earlier than Frankie wanted, but fair play lovely ride I, there's nothing in that performance to make you doubt that he's going to win this race but we know in racing anything can happen he's a four to nine shot which for, for our for listeners who are only tuning in once in a while that means you've got to put nine pound on to win four so very very short in the market and rightly so let's face it he's probably going to win a bit short for me and my money so let's have a look at some bigger price horses rob we've got order of australia second in the, second in the market he's currently about seven to one shot yeah, um, yeah, he sort of didn't really do a lot last year, did he? But um, I mean, it's an Aidan O'Brien horse that's that's got some form in the bank, but he seems quite inconsistent. So, just sort of taking a taking a punt on whether he'll turn up or not. Yeah, and I think um, I think he's inconsistent. I think they messed around with him last season with these distances. So I think yeah. they sort of. Um, messed him around, had him at mile, weren't quite sure where he was going to go about. So if you look at his, if you look at his form last last season, uh, he ran over a mile two, mile four, mile three, mile two, mile four. So they've got him back at a mile. The reason they've got him back at a mile is because he won the Breeders' Cup mile in November um, at Keeneland, beating Circus Maximus and Lupi Fernandez, which I'll come on to in a second. Uh, that's the reason he's second favourite for this. He's rated 120 off the back of that. That was a very surprising ride that day by Pierre-Charles Boudet. Um, Boudot. Probably not a B-Day, probably a Boudot. Uh, and, yeah, he's 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 deserved second favourite. But for me, I much prefer Lupi Fernandez at 11-1. to 1. I see best price 14-1 to 1 now. Oh, happy days. They really have come for this favourite uh, since I looked at the odds earlier. 14-1 to 1, Lupi Fernandez. Now, for Lupi Fernandez, he's got to find £8 with Palace Pier. So, I mean, he... It might he might not be finding that. Uh, however, if you look at he was winless last season. However, he won his comeback run at Leopardstown, which was a listed race. He won it by five and a half lengths. He was third in Irish Guineas, but he was running on a lot of soft ground last season. And I really like him on firm ground. He was firm ground, good to firm ground at that Irish 2000 Guineas run at the Curra. I think this horse has got a lot of improvement firmer ground and he hasn't had good to firm ground since that Irish 2000 guineas which he was a fast finishing third 
I do think there's scope for improvement. I don't know if he's got eight pounds of improvement, but if Palace Pier doesn't run to 125 and runs to 120, 118, I think Lupi Fernandez might really have a nice chance at 14. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, again, it's it's another sort of slightly inconsistent horse, but you can maybe put some of that down to the ground, as he said. Um, there's, there's two others I fancy at, at good each-way prices. So top rank was uh, third in the lock-in behind Palace Pier, only a few lengths back, um, which is decent form, and, and he showed sort of good improvement in that race. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking at 16-1, to 1, he's a good each-way bet. And the other one is an old favourite, Lord Glitters, who's drifted out now to 28 to 1. Um, he, uh, eight-year-old now, but he won this race in 2019. And I think actually that, that race had some better horses in than, than, than tomorrow's race, other than maybe Palace Pier. So he beat Lauren's Mustachery, one master. Um, he seems to sort of turn it up for Royal Ascot and turn it up this time of year. Um, so I think he he's worth a couple of quid each way as well at twenty eight to one. Um, yeah. I've, I've got one horse I wanted to ask you about though, Dan. What about Accidental Agent? Uh, we joke because uh, Accidental Agent, formerly a winner of the Queen Anne at thirty three to one a few years ago, was, I was very keen on three years ago now, probably two years ago. Uh, and I thought he had a really lovely chance, uh, and he refused to race. He stayed in the stalls. So I was a bit gutted on Accidental Agent, <laughs> and I was really keen. In my bet of the week, I thought he was going to run a stormer that week. I thought he was all set up for him. He'd won, he'd won the season or two previous. I thought he'd come back. He was being prepped for the race. I thought he was going to have it all before him, but he didn't. However, he is 151, 150 to 1. His best days are behind him. Uh, but yeah. in a in a in a race which let's face it there are uh, what twelve runners eleven runners something like that if you can get yeah. four <laughs> places somewhere 151 he's probably not even going to finish in the top four but it's a big old it's a big price and I think yeah do I think he's going to get yeah he's not going to win it at all however <laughs> he could run a decent race I wouldn't put it past him his last race was fourth in a handicap off 106 so. I mean, he's got to find £10, really, to finish in the frame. But you never know. Some of these horses, they go back on firmer ground. He likes firm ground. Somewhere where he's won before. Big day out. You just don't know with certain horses. But I won't be backing him. But 150 to 1 is, is, a, is, a, is a huge price for a horse that's won the race before. Yeah. And he's only 7. Agree. So. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I think Palace Pier is going to win. I think Lupita Fernandez will be my way into the race and hope Palace Pier has a bit of an off day. I think that's all we really need to say about that race. It's... It's, I want to watch it, but it's not necessarily gets me excited from a betting angle. Yeah. Um, shall we have a look at the King's Stand next, the next group one on the card? Rob, what's going to win? Batash. Great named Batash, which is a kind of word merge of my wife's name and my nickname, Bats. So Bats. <laughs> uh, Very nice. <laughs> it always pops out. And um, yeah, he's a great horse. He's probably the, the fastest horse in training, isn't he? So... He only ever really runs over five furlongs, and he's only got one speed, which is max. <laughs> and um, he used to be a little bit inconsistent, but he sort of turned it around the last eight, well, two years maybe. Um, they seem to have sort of worked out how to treat him on a race day, how to make sure he doesn't get sort of too riled up in the in the preliminaries. Um, but when, yeah, when he gets it right, I, I don't think there's any horse that can catch him. There's, there's no horse that has that pace. Um, 
he won this last year. He won a couple of other top class sprints. Question mark that it's his first race of the season and reports were he had a couple of problems over the winter. Um, yeah, he had a, he had a small, uh, I was listening to Charlie Hills, the trainer, the other, the other day. He said he had a small, in December, he had a small problem. He needed a small operation. Um, they say it's all, he's recovered fine from it. You know, they're quite sure till they come back to the track. All I would say yeah. is last season, King's Dam was his first run of the season last season as well. He's had a very light campaign for a six-year-old. Three, yeah. three, three sprints all season, which was three big ones, which was Royal Ascot, Glorious Goodwood and the York Keyboard meeting. And then Nunthorpe, which is probably the biggest five furlong race of the season. He didn't go to France at the back end of the year for either Abbey, which he normally do. Yeah. I think I think <clears> it's set up for him. I think they're going to campaign him lightly. They're going to try and keep him going as much as possible. He's a gelding, so he's not going to have a stud career. So they're going to yeah. keep him going as much as possible. The worry is, of course, with sprinters, they lose their they lose their turn of foot, like a Michael Owen will lose his turn of foot at 30. A lot of sprinters lose their turn of foot at sort of five. Um, but he is seven. He yeah, was a great six-year-old. Soul Power was a horse that carried on till eight or nine and still had a oodles of ability. But there is a bit of a question mark because of the, the, the layoff. But if this horse runs anywhere near his best, he should win. My concern, Rob, is on ratings, Batash is uh, rated 123. He's giving the second, which is a three-year-old filly, fillies and age allowance. She's getting £10 from Batash, and she's rated 114. So she's only rated £9 inferior, and she's getting 10 So yeah. on the weightings, she is getting the right poundage to really put it up to Batash. And Batash is going to need to run to that mark. He, ha- he hasn't got anything in hand here on the ratings. Like Palace Pier has got £5 in hand, running off same weights as his rivals. This this filly's got going to have ten pounds on this favourite, and I just wonder whether this winter power, this three-year-old filly, might just benefit from that filly's and three-year-old allowance, um, and she's double the price. She's nine to two rather than nine to four for Batash. Is my concern? Yeah, winter power seems, you know, the 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 challenger really, isn't she? So um, impressive winner at York last month, but this is quite a big step up in class and quite a big thing to be taking on the older horses at this stage in a sort of three-year-old's career. Yeah, so it's that's... a brave move, yeah. but, you know, if, if he pulls it off, it's great, but... It, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's, it's like when the Naval got the Phillies in three-year-old allowance when she won the Arc that season. It is a real benefit. You get the Phillies yeah. and the age allowance, you get £10 in this race. Um, Batash is the governor, though, and he normally, I mean, there was that famous year he lost to Blue Point in the King stand um, at Royal Ascot. And to this day, I think Jim Crowley probably had a mare that day and he doesn't like to admit it, but he did because of the way he rode Batash. He ain't going to make that mistake tomorrow, I can assure you. Um, I, I think he's learned how to ride this horse properly. And you're right, Batash has one speed and that's fast. And that's the best way to ride him because he just goes. He doesn't, he doesn't have any like gears, he just goes. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting. Looking elsewhere outside the top two, we've got some decent horses. Extravagant Kid, American Runner, rated 114. is, is pretty decent. Frank Tatori's riding for Brendan Walsh. Oxted, former July Cup winner over six. Not sure five furlongs is his best trip, nine to I one. I agree with you on that, yeah. But he's on talent, he's going to be there. But I think it's going to be a five furlongs on firm ground is going to be quite sharp for him. A horse I do want to mention, though, which is one at 20 to one. It's a horse. I only had money on three horses anti-post for Royal Ascot this year. And I know I've said on the post, uh, the pod before about method. Um, well, the other two horses, one, this is one of them, Kings Lynn, 
I actually thought Kingsling was going to go to the Wokingham. I backed it for the Wokingham and the Kingstand. It still entered for the Wokingham. So the interesting angle on this is Andrew Balding I heard talk a couple of months ago, and he was raving about this horse and how quick he was. He's, he basically went to the last race, and he won it very well. It was a Haydock-listed race. And Balding said, I'm going to take him there, and we're going to see if he's a Kingstand horse or a Wokingham horse. I.e., is he going to win? He's a Kingstand. If he doesn't, he's going to go to the Wokingham. Well, he won that race and won it well. So he's coming to the King's Stand. He's raced 107 now. However, on the ratings, he still gets into the Wokingham off 107. So because it's only a sprint, I think he might even still run in the Wokingham on Saturday, but it is over six furlongs. I think this horse might actually give all the other rivals a bit of a run here. I think he's a very good four-year-old. He's been taken a long time for Manchester the Queen. She's, he's, he's been brought on slowly by Balding. I think he likes this horse a lot. I could see it being in the frame. I think 20 to 1 is quite a big price for people. My, uh, It'd be nice to see the Queen's colours winning the King's stand. Very much so, and always nice uh, for the Queen to have a winner at Royal Ascot. She's not got many runners this week, so I do think King's Lynn is a really decent horse, and I would love, if it doesn't do well tomorrow in the King's stand, I'd really like to see it in the Wokingham, if it doesn't have too hard a race, because I think 107 will be eminently winnable mark for it. Yeah. Rob, any other ones take your fancy? Uh, well, I just want to mention Marvin, Maven, which is a Wesley Ward horse. Um, sort of, well, he's the first of about five or six Wesley Ward horses that we'll see this week. And for those podcast listeners that don't know, Wesley Ward's a top American trainer of mainly sprint horses. And he started bringing a um, few horses over to Royal Ascot about 10 years ago. It was almost, almost a family holiday that he used to come to the UK. And anyway, he's fallen in love with it. Sends a contingent every year and he normally does well. And this year, I've spotted he's bringing over a top US jockey, John Valakez, uh, yeah. which he doesn't normally do. Normally, Dottori rides for him, but that could be that could be interesting. Um, he's had all his quarantine. He's been he's been. I think he came over last week. He's been in quarantine yeah. all week. Um, I think we, he actually had quite a few runners this time, and I don't think Dottori could ride some of them. So he wanted to bring someone over he really trusted. So. John Velasquez, who is a great American jockey, John Velasquez, and I heard him interviewed recently, and he was very excited, and he's desperate to have a Royal Ascot winner, so we'll yeah. see what happens with that. One's um, worked out for, but yeah, Batasha's going to win, hands yeah. down. <laughs> I, I think so too, to be honest. I think I think we love Batash and we hope he wins tomorrow in the King's Stand. Right then, third group one of the day, brilliant day's racing tomorrow. James's Palace, which is the one-mile race for three-year-olds, so these is always the clash of all the Guineas winners. Although, saying that, we've uh, not got Max White and Max Winnie in this. But we have got Poetic Flair, which leads the market. I know you're quite keen on Poetic Flair, Rob. I am. Yeah, Poetic Flair won the new market 1,000 Guineas. Then, uh, two weeks later, was sixth in the French equivalent, the Longchamp 1,000 Guineas. Uh, none of the horses that beat him that day are lining up in the St. James's Palace Stakes. He then went to the Curra five or six days later uh, and finished second to his stablemate Max Winnie by a neck or by a half a length, I think it was. Uh, Max Winnie then um, to run in the Derby and, you know, won't be seen over one mile again. So if you go on the, the form of those three races and you take out horses that aren't in the St. James's Palace Stakes, Poetic Flair is the best horse that's, that's running all three of them. Um, the question mark is whether those three races will have taken it out of him. Um, but 
Jim Bolger was very bullish yesterday in the article I was reading about the fact that this horse needs exercise. It, it's like if, if you don't exercise him, he puts on weight. So they almost exercise him like twice as much as, as their other horses. Um, so he's suggesting that he kind of thrives off the regular racing and thrives off the um, this this kind of crazy calendar. So I yeah I think based on those three guineas, Poetic Flair is by far the best horse, and I'm actually surprised at the at the price. The bookies don't seem to be sort of following following what I'm seeing at four to one. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if you can enlighten me, Dan, about why why he wouldn't be shorter than four to one. That the Newmarket Guineas winner, and then great performances in the the other two uh, the other two Guineas. Uh, I disagree with you to an extent, simply because I I think the price is probably about right. Because I think this is a very competitive race. If you look at those, he's had how many horses run in the English, Irish, and French Guineas? Not very many, and I take Jim Bolger's point that the horse needs to run a lot. It's like a Mark Johnson thing, you know, run it all the time and, and just keep on turning it out, which is great for racing. And don't get me wrong, it's fantastic that he's running all three guineas. I think it's a fantastic achievement. And also to run quite well in all three of the guineas, winning one, place second in the other. I think he was fourth or fifth in the other one, which didn't quite suit in the, in the French. My worry is, how many times do you actually see an English guineas winner come and win the St. James's Palace? Not that often, because it's not too tight a turnaround, but horses is a hard, hard thing to do, to double the two. To see a horse win the English Guineas, potentially should have won the Irish Guineas. If it had been firmer footing, he would have beaten Max winning, I think, in that race. Yeah. If it had been firmer footing. To English, Irish, and then the St. James's Palace is would have been an incredible achievement if, if he did win the Irish. I, I think it might be one race too far, and I think he might need freshening up for, the, for later in the season. I, I, my, and my worry is, I think he was very lucky to win the English Guineas because I was on the second, and the second was the master of the season with golfing, was leading right until the line, was leading yeah. after the line, and got done on the line. And, and it was one of them that he could have been second in the English, second in the Irish. But there's no doubt, on form, on the ratings, he is the best horse in this race on what he's done on the race course. So if you're purely looking at the form book, I think he's the best horse in the race. However, my worry is it's just going to be too much for him. He's going to have, in the space of, what's it going to be, six weeks, he's going to have four Group 1 hard races. And that seems a lot to me, even for a young horse that likes to exercise. But I do get Jim Bowles' point, and I don't know the horse, and I completely see why you like him at the price. But for me, I'd rather look elsewhere. Um, I'd rather look to a horse like um, Highland Avenue. So, yeah, Highland Avenue, I like him a lot, Rob. Uh, he's 8-1. to one. I think he's got a progressive profile he sort of won lots of sort of races where he looked very good he won the fielding over a mile one went to Sandown. we were there brigadier gerard and he ran over a mile in the heron and he got touched off by mostadaf i think mostadaf is an interesting horse for john gosden very progressive three out of three wins but highland avenue i think should have won that day i think he was the best horse in the race and i was disappointed with the ride a little bit and it felt like he needed further but i'm not sure whether it's because he really did need the extra furlong or two, or whether he actually, it was because he just could have been ridden a bit more forward, if you like. So I'm interested in Highland Avenue. I think he's got a good chance, and I like him at the prices. But you, you quite like Mostadaf, don't you, Rob? Yeah, I think Mostadaf, just because of his profile, so quite lightly raced, miss, misses the guineas, 
trained by the Gosdens, who a couple of years ago took this route with a horse called Without Parole, and he absolutely tore up in the St James Palace Stakes. And I, I wonder if it's it's that sort of horse that will fit that bill um, for John Gosden and, and Sadie Gosden. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you. That Sundown race was, they were sort of neck and neck, weren't they? Um, coming out on the home straight, it was anyone's race and the ground was a little bit testing as well. So yeah. Which it might, it might not speak to Highland Avenue because it might say, well, if it's a quicker surface, he might need that extra furlong or two. But I quite like, I quite like to look at that run. I liked the horse before the race. The race did nothing to put me off the horse. So I like it at the prices. And there's another horse that I really like, Joseph O'Brien's, which is Thunder Moon at nine to one. Now, You've liked him for the Guineas, and rightly so, because he had a really nice two-year-old career. He was very fancied for the Guineas, ran a stinker. I think he came last. If we put a line through that run, and I'll always give a horse one chance if they do a bad run, um, I won't write it off. If you look at it just for the two-year-old, if he hadn't run in the Guineas, he'd be shorter than 9 to 1 for this race. And I think Joseph O'Brien, when I heard him interviewed last week, liked the horse and was saying lots of good things about it. So I think 9 to 1 might be a bit overpriced for Thundermoon. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you... If that Guinea's run was just a, a kind of one-off and he, he didn't like it or something, then then yeah, he could have a good chance. Um, I did, uh, yeah, I did really fancy him over the winter. But a horse I just want to mention as well, Rob, which is um, got a really interesting profile is a horse called Battleground for Radio and Brian, six to one, winner of the Chesham last year over seven furlongs, won the Vintage Stakes at Glorious Goodwood, lovely performance at that Glorious Goodwood. Um, came second in the Juvenile Turf at the Breeders' Cup, which is a, which is a tough mile race. As a two-year-old, he was top class. I think we know that. He really yeah. won that session well last season. He went straight into the Guineas. He didn't run a great race, but he wasn't really fancy that day, which would worry me that the Brian O'Brien didn't think he'd train from two to three. However, based on his two-year-old form, he's got every chance in this race, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, he's very well-bred. Yeah, Aidan O'Brien... You can't write him off in this sort of race, really, can you? Even that poor, poor run in the Guineas could just be a, um, could just well, be if, a one-off. If we're giving Thunder Moon a second chance, we should probably give Battleline a second. Yeah, chance. and I think the market seems to. He's five to one, isn't he? So. Yeah, so it's an interesting profile. Um, we've got other. I mean, I think this is a great race. I think this is James's Palace. Yeah. Is a great race, but I think it's well, the most competitive race on day one, isn't it? Definitely, and we've got Lucky Vega at fifteen to two for Jesse Harrington. Um, I never thought this horse would really get a full mile. I know I discussed it on the Guineas preview, and he came third, which was great, which is 20 to 1. Uh, third in the English Guineas, fourth in the Irish Guineas. It suggests he does get a mile, and on that form, he'll have every chance in this race, won't he? Yeah, um, but he's not going to beat like Poetic Flair, is he? He's not beating him in two attempts. No, that's so why, would, why would he win this time round? Well, try and try again, my friend. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm, the last horse, we rattled through these horses because there's so many that probably have half a chance, is Chindit for Richard Hannon. Won the Greenham, which is a really good Guineas trial. He got caught out, I would say he got caught out by the dip a bit at Newmarket. I think yeah. that Newmarket, I, I think he just got caught out by the dip at two furlong pole in the Newmarket race. I think he'll be in the mix. I, I, again, I'm not too sure he's going to win it, but he's not done a lot wrong in his career, really. He's, 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 he's raced well, I think. Um, any others you want to mention, Rob? Uh, no, I think we've covered the whole field, nearly, haven't yeah. we? So you think Poetic Fair is going to win? I'm going to have yeah. a nibble each way at Thunder Moon and Highland Avenue. I'm, I'm just scrubbing bets, but it is a it's a tough race to pick, I would say. I know you think Poetic Fair is overpriced, so you don't think it's a tough race because you think he's going to win. But yeah. I, for, for me, I think there's 
enough doubt over Prices Flair for me, but I may I'm happy to be proven wrong, as always. If, if he and, wins, will you accept that Prices Flair is the best one mile three year old? If he wins, I will accept that he's the best one mile three year old. <laughs> I'll happily accept that, yes. Good. Uh any other races on Tuesday you want to mention, Rob? Um, not for me, no. Um, I, and for our listeners, you can read my written blog on Royal Ascot every day this week. Uh, it'll be posted up the night before. I've posted Tuesday, so you can go to franzensfurlong.wordpress.com and read my thoughts. But uh, the other one I just wanted to mention, Rob, which is a horse I really fancy for tomorrow, actually, is a horse in the Coventry, which is a six furlong race for two-year-olds. Uh, it's a horse called... Gisburn for Richard Hannon. Uh, it's currently 13 to 2, or the last time I looked it was 13 to 2. Uh, it was fourth in a five furlong maiden at Newbury, fine. Won a six furlong maiden by six lengths on second start. A few horses have come out of that and ran well. I thought the interesting form line in that race was the sixth placed horse came out and won next time by two and a half lengths. So I wonder whether that's just quite a hot maiden at Newbury. And I think the horse is decent. And the worry for me is actually Coffee Maker or coffee maker, as I should say, because it comes from Wesley Ward. Wesley Ward got interviewed last week about this horse, and it was 8-1. to one, And the interview went out on the Nick Luck podcast, and it went to 4-1 to one within 10 minutes, I think, of that podcast being released. He talked it up, said it was his best chance of the week, and his two-year-olds are always to be feared. So I am slightly worried about it, but based on the form that I can see, and American five furlong form at Keeneland, I haven't got a Scooby about but I do know Newbury form, and I think that uh, sort of Gisburn is probably a decent price at 13 to 2. And I think it's worth taking the risk at each way price for me. Um, so that's Tuesday, Rob. Uh, so let's go on to Wednesday. Wednesday, we've got the Prince of Wales Stakes. Do you want to tell the listeners about uh, the Prince of Wales Stakes? What is it? What is it? Uh, yeah, Prince of Wales is. Um... So one mile, two furlong, four-year-old plus uh, group one. So it's one of the sort of highlights of the week, actually, isn't it? Um, and it's the only group one on Wednesday. So it's the, yeah, the highlight of Wednesday. And we've got seven seven runners declared. Love, who um, was probably the top three-year-old filly last year. So won the Guineas, the Oaks, and the Yorkshire Oaks. Um, noting that all of those races are against fillies. Um, this is this will be her first run against the other sex, uh, and it will also be her first run of the season, and also a slightly shorter trip than the Oaks and the Yorkshire Oaks. So there's a couple of question marks there for me. Um, she's seven to four. Ryan Moore on board. I mean, she'll probably win, but there's another horse in there that I quite fancy called Lord North, who, who won this race last year. Um, he looked better than ever when winning the, the Dubai Turf in March. Um, got Frankie Vittori on board, trained by the Gosdens. Um, it, it's sort of his, it's his trophy to lose almost. So um, Lord North would be my pick. Have you got any others that you want to mention, Dan? Uh, I think... Let's just cover off the top two in the market, and then we'll talk yeah. about any other prices. I'm, I'm actually, I don't like to disagree, Rob, but I disagree with you on this. I think Love is a far better horse than Lord North. Okay. And I, and, and ratings doesn't say that. Ratings say that Lord North is a pound better than Love. However, 
Lord North has been highly progressive. I think it's done amazing. It's travelled around the world. Uh, one in Maidan, won the um, Group 1 in Moon Mountain, the Dubai Turf, as you said. Uh, came fourth in a Breeders' Cup Turf over a mile and a half. Won the Prince of Wales last season, which is a bit of a turn-up last season. I think it was about 8-1. to one. It's obviously improved a lot, the horse. However, we are talking about a horse that won the 1,000 guineas, the Oaks, and the Yorkshire Oaks in the same season, and it's been off for a while. My worry is it's not going to be fully tuned up. I think Love might just need to run a little bit, and, and that's my concern on Love, but a fully tuned up Love running to her potential. She's getting her Phillies allowance, so she's getting her three pounds. And you're right, she's not run against the boys. So all those runs last season were just purely against the Phillies. But Love's a serious horse, Rob. And I understand your point that she stayed on really strongly in that Oaks, and she stayed on really strongly in the Orchard Oaks, and she should get that mile and a half. There's a reason Aiden's taken her to the Prince of Wales and not the Coronation Cup over a mile and a half at Epsom a couple of weeks ago. He thinks this horse is going to get mile two. She won a Guineas and she won an Oak. She's very versatile. Yeah. Aiden O'Brien's fillies are pretty special normally. I just wonder whether this horse is going to be sensational. And another thing that makes me really like Love is that Love was, when I looked at this market yesterday, when I was prepping for this pod, Love was 5-2 to two and Lord North was a shade under 2-1. to one. I'm looking at the market now. Love is 13-8 to eight and Lord North is 5-2 to two and they've flip-flopped here. They've, they've changed round in the odds. The Irish money has come for Love and that normally speaks volumes. And I think Love is going to be very hard to beat tomorrow because if the Irish money's come, it means they think she's ready and she won't need to run. And I think Love is, is a serious horse and she's a bit forgotten about because she, doesn't, she didn't run that much last season. I think people have forgotten, you know, we're talking about a Guineas and Oaks winner here. You know, this is, yeah. this is a pretty special horse to win over a mile at Newmarket and a mile and a half at Epsom takes a very versatile and a very special horse. I mean, Minding did it, and Minding was a very special horse. And if you win a Guineas and Oaks, you're pretty you're pretty amazing. I mean, I think Love, I would have loved to see Love go to try and win the St. Ledger and try and do the three last season, but it wasn't to be. She got injured. Um, yeah. And she probably wouldn't have done that anyway. She probably would have gone the arc, wouldn't she, uh, last season. But because that's the way these days. Um, but yeah, I think Love's a brilliant horse. I think Love's going to take all the beating tomorrow. Uh, maybe, um, maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Um, I think the collective winning distance of those three races last year was something like 20 lengths. So She she had one of the best Philly yeah, three-year-old maybe. seasons you'll ever find. She only ran yeah. three times. She demolished everyone. And I mean, it's just looking, I was just looking at what she beat, actually. Um, there's a horse called Rosa Kildare, of course, in ninth in the Guineas. But... Um, there was final song, Quadrilateral, Cloak of Spirits, all decent horses. Quadrilateral's probably gone back in trip since then and turned into a sprinter. Uh, Epsom, she beat Frankly Darling, which went and won the Ribblesdale very impressively at Ascot. Um, Ennis Mon for Aidan O'Brien, which is a good horse. So pretty pretty decent pretty decent competition, but not the best Oaks I've ever seen. In that Yorkshire Oaks, Alpinista. Okay, well, what Al- what's Alpinista done? Well, Alpinista's won uh, the Warwick Philly Stakes very impressively last time out. And it's become a bit of a sort of mile and a half specialist, but not the best horse in the world. But she beat it by five lengths. I mean, she, she, I think she's a brilliant horse. I, I think she's going to take a lot of beating. I like Aidan O'Brien's fillies as well. So um, for me, I think she's going to take a lot of beating. But I understand Lord North is probably a safer bet because he runs to a pretty decent mark. He's travelled all around the world. He's a very hardy horse now. But he's a year older, and, and we'll see what happens with love with her fillies allowance. 
uh, at bigger prices. I don't really fancy a lot else in the race, uh, Rob. Armory, I suppose, is the other horse we should mention, Braden O'Brien, four-year-old Colt, um, had a prep run this season, winning at Chester in the Huxley, mile two, yeah. group three. Won that pretty well, three lengths from um, Sangarius, which is running in the race at 33 to one. Pretty decent horse. I would say it runs to a pretty decent standard in a 120, um, but probably shouldn't shouldn't trouble the top two. Um, I mean, I, she's, she's not, not the same class as Love and Lord North. I mean, on ratings, only, only three pounds inferior. So interesting and it's 130 so maybe we do it as a service and we're getting so i have that sometimes where you're so preoccupied on the front two in the market and you're wondering how one's going to beat the other and then the third horse comes and beats both and it happens sometimes but shamey heffern is riding uh for aiden o'brien and sometimes the o'brien second string wins these races and that's just the way it is but ryan moore's riding love he's riding her for a reason because he thinks she's going to win so. the one i think's been overlooked dan is uh Audrea who's 16 to one currently um, was running in handicaps as a three-year-old and then was chucked into a group one at Dover last year. Um, and he was, she was 48 to one, um, but won that race and then went on to win the Breeders' Cup for the Amaze Turf. I, and, so, and I just, not, not to crow about these things, but I backed her that day in the Phillies and Phillies and uh, Mare's Turf in, in, in Keeneland because she was 14 to one, which I thought was a silly price for how good she yeah. is. Um, She's a really good filly, isn't she? But I think, isn't it um, her first start of the season for James Fanshawe? And I just wonder whether she's going to be quite switched on first start. But, I mean, she's going to Ascot, so Fanshawe's not going to have her needing a run, I don't think, anyway. But she might be one of those that needs a run. But you're right, on ratings, she's £3 inferior to Armoury. She's won Group 1s in America in the Breeders' Cup meeting and in France, which is very difficult to do. Yeah. And she's only three pounds inferior, and she gets her Phillies allowance, which makes up for the three pounds anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I made the mistake with the price there, Dan. It's she's actually eight to one, not sixteen to one. But I still oh, think I've got sixteen to one in front of me. Okay, uh, Rob. Where I, I mean, gosh, that's interesting. It's sixteen to one at Bet three six five, but it's eight to one at Paddy Power apparently, okay. according to what's in front of me. But that may have changed. She may have had each way money since since that got updated. Yeah. Um. Which is, I, I'm not surprised because 16 to 1 seems a pretty big price to me. Um, yeah, it's a just... shame there's not eight runners and then we'd have a good each way um, prospect. But with, with only two runners and the first two being so good, you would. Yeah, yeah, she's 16 to 1 really still way. with Bet365, Rob. So she's okay. 16 to 1. So if anyone does fancy a little each way poke, uh, I think you get the each way extra. So. With Bet365, so you can get for three places, you can get 11 to 1. That sounds pretty decent. Uh, and for four places, you can get 15 to 2, which I think is giving it away, isn't it? Yeah. Seven after one for four places. But it all depends if Fanshawe's got her tuned up or not, I would say, for that one. Yeah. Um, but if she is, she should have a chance. Let's go on to Thursday, shall we? Or have you got another one on Wednesday, I think? Sorry, Rob. We, that's well, so what's the summary of that race then? You're that how we're going to go i think love is all you need and <laughs> uh any other dad jokes are available uh, and which one are you going for lord north i'm going lord north yeah yeah okay so that's what rob and i think there rob wednesday have you got any other shouts on wednesday yeah the royal hunt cup probably my favorite race of the week 
It's a 30 runner cavalry charge over one mile, straight mile at Ascot. Um, handicap, and it's always wide open, and it often throws up a big price winner. Um, there's some there's some great horses in there. You've got the winner of the Lincoln, Hakiki. Um, you've got Escobar, we've talked about on this pod, Beat Le Bon. All sorts of big names in there. But the two horses that I've picked out, one's called Astro King. So he's a, he's currently best price 14 to 1, four-year-old Sir Michael Stout horse. Stout, for those who don't know, has had 81 winners now at Royal Ascot, more than any other trainer. Um, and this is exactly... He has, he, has, he has been training since about 1902. But yeah, yes. that's over 50 years, but still, he's got a good, he's <laughs> no, got a good record. <laughs> But this is exactly the sort of profile of horse that normally succeeds for him. So lightly raced, coming in off a rating of 98. Obviously been aimed at this for probably a year, if not longer. Um, plenty of opportunity for improvement on that on that handicap rating. Um, and his, his last run was in the first cup. He had a bad draw, but actually managed to finish second, which was quite impressive for that race. So I think this horse is... Um, Gonna gonna run a big race. Um, the other one I picked out is May Danny. So this he's best price twenty to one. Uh, Five year old Mark Johnson horse, very well bred. So by Dubawi and out of a mare called Attraction, who won the one thousand guineas. Um, he won a big handicap at Glorious Goodwood last summer, and was put up ten pounds for that. But that's not stopped him. Um, it's not stopped him sort of progressing, and he was second to. Um, a horse called Bell Rock at Newmarket last time out. So I think May Danny's still got a big, another big handicap win in him, even off even off a, um, a rating of 101. So those are my two reasonably big price picks for the, the Hunt Cup. Yeah, I really like Astro King. Um, May Danny, I think, could, could run a big race, but I always feel like that glorious Goodwood, he was chucked in off on a mile to Mark and... He ran well off 100, and I think he'll run well again. I just don't know if he could get in the top four in a 30-runner race um, yeah. off 100 on one, I think he is now. Astro King, though, is a really interesting angle, and I'm surprised the market only rates him a 14-to-1 chance. I know I know the Hunt, comes a r- hunt, hunt Cup, you've got to be careful. Yeah, careful. It's uh, <laughs> a really, really difficult race uh, because of the amount of runners, and it's a cavalry charge, as you said. But looking at the profile, 98 has got to under, under, underplay this horse. He's only ever had yeah. six runs. The six runs, right, won a Wolverhampton maiden, came second in a Chelmsford novice, came third in a Doncaster handicap over a mile two, then one in a mile handicap at Lingfield, one in a mile handicap at Nottingham, and came third in the Thirsk Hunt Cup. But you're dead right in that race. If you watch that race back, he's actually got a bad draw he's gone on the outside he's had loads to make up from the two furlong pole he's picked up and very unlucky he only lost half a length from, from the winner i think yeah i think that's a really good performance he's running off 95 that day he's only rated 98 now i think he's chucked it off i think he's been under the radar for handicap yeah some of those races aren't aren't the sort of profile that you would um, you would end up with a, with a big handicap. No, and to his benefit, he's not been winning by far, which is very handy when it comes to handicapping. Yeah. He's, yeah. You're right, under the radar is exactly the right phrase because he's not been setting hairs running. People are going, oh, have you heard about this horse? He won by eight lengths. Yeah, exactly. The handicap yeah. goes up to him up 15 pounds. He won 
it's interesting. He he beat at Nottingham, just the form line here for everyone. In Nottingham, over a mile, he beat a horse called Finest Sound in second. Uh, off a mark of 89, so he's rated £9 higher. Finest Sound is the favourite for this race, 7-1. to one, Running off, uh, he's 94 that day, Finest Sound was running off. But this, he's running off 99, so he's gone up 5. Astro King has gone up £9, so £4 swing in the weights. But one's 7-1 to one and one's 14-1. to one. Now, for a, yeah. for a £4 swing in the weights, double the price, and he beat him that day, I, I, just, I just think maybe... This horse has been under overlooked a little bit, and and Hikiki, I get the Hikiki form line. He won the Lincoln really well, but he was disappointing last time at Ascot in the um, trial for this race. He was mm-hmm. fancy and he came fourth. I, I just wonder. You're right, but do get as many places as you can for all the listeners because um, I think Skybet might go seven places. If you can get seven places, get seven places because it really is a tricky one. But yeah. Astro mm-hmm. King has got every chance. I really agree with you on that. I haven't. I wouldn't say I've gone through with a fine-tooth comb yet, because I'll do that tomorrow afternoon, but uh, I'd be surprised if I found anything that was vastly better handicapped. I think the other interesting point about the Hunt Cup is that um, the draw makes quite a bit of difference. So the last few years, they've won um, on the stand side, which is a high draw, and Astro King's got still 27, um, and May Danny's got still 24 out of 30, 30 or 32 in the end, 30 horses. Um, so, yeah, they're both high draw, um, which um, makes, and it, makes a difference. I always think when you've got weather like we have at the moment, they would have done watering. And in my experience, if the watering at Ascot, hopefully they will do it correctly and across the whole track evenly, because sometimes they don't. So yes. hopefully they will do it evenly so we won't get a massive draw bias in the handicaps. But we shall see. But by Wednesday, we'll know if there's any draw bias because... Yeah. I, I think I'd recommend to our listeners to get on Astro King sooner rather than later. I think that price is only going one way. Yeah. So that's Rob's big tip of uh, of this preview pod is Astro King 14 to 1 in the Hunt Cup. Well, maybe not big tip, but tip in the 14 to 1 in, uh, in the Hunt Cup and get on early at that price. So I look forward to an SP of 25 to 1. <laughs> right. So then Thursday, Rob, we've got the Gold Cup. Uh, which is a sort of blue ribbon event of the whole week. It's on the Thursday of Royal Ascot, which is Ladies' Day. Two and a half miles. It's a stamina test. Uh, and we've obviously had some great horse, horses win it over the years. An estimate for the Queen. Uh, Yates won it for, for the Irish four years in a row. And, of course, we have Stradivarius trying to match Yates and win four Gold Cups in a row, which is pretty spectacular. We're talking about a horse which has won five times, uh, four times. He's going for his fifth Royal Ascot win four gold cups and he won a, a, a race before that uh, which is great because I can't know what it is it's Queen's Vars three. thank you very much Queen's Vars oh see I knew he I knew he was going to be right on it um, <laughs> and uh, so we're going for four gold cups which would be a tremendous achievement Rob seven year old do you think he retains all his ability I, I hope so I hope so he's a great horse he's a great servant to the sport um the, the Gosdens tried something a little bit different with him last year, didn't they? They, they? they thought, given how classy he is, maybe he could win an Arc de Triomphe. Um, so they sort of campaigned him a little bit differently and it didn't go didn't go well, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, he finished seventh in that Arc and then they tried to sort of chuck him in to the Ascot Champions Day staying race and he I think he finished dead last in that. Um, so that... I think we can sort of write off the second half of last season 
um, just just because they were sort of trying something different. And and if he had one, if he had won an arc, he would have probably been the best horse in history ever. Three gold cups and an arc is, you know, and no course, one's no one's matching that. Was he third in a Derby, uh, second in a Ledger? I mean, he's been a sensational horse. I mean, exactly. fair play to the owner for going for it last year. Yeah, he's never frightened of going for these things. They did this thing where they did the the last few years. They've done a if you win the three staying races, the group ones. Well, not three months because the Lonsdale's not three months, but, but the three yeah. big staying races in England across the whole season, you get a million pound bonus, thinking no horse really does it. This horse won it two or three years in a row, yeah. and they had to stop doing it because he was that good. <laughs> uh, and if they'd have carried on doing that, they might not have gone for the arc, but they did, and fair play to them. The only thing I would say in his favour is, I would say that probably the most impressive race of his whole career was potentially that last uh, Gold Cup win last season. It was a bit muddy, we were all saying, oh, is he, is he, is he the one? Because the competition wasn't yeah. that great last year. He won by, I mean, he won by half the track that day. He won by 10 lengths that day. Pretty impressive. Nayef Road, cross-counter, cross-counter won a Melbourne Cup. Nayef Road runs pretty steady to his mark. Sensational horse. He's a shade odds on. You have to think that if he retains his ability, he will win on Thursday. I think there's a question mark because he is now seven and he is getting older he has got this great turn of foot i think the ground's gonna he's gonna love the ground tomorrow but, uh, on thursday even because he's gonna have to be able to utilize his turn of foot because he, he always looks like he's in trouble stradivarius and then he pulls it out a furlong and a half out he seems to yeah. find this extra gear i'd love him to i'd love to see him win another gold cup but let's look at the second favorite because i know you'll probably want to talk about him being a mark johnson horse subjectivist Obviously yeah. won the new Dubai two-mile race in March. It looks a pretty decent second favourite, doesn't he, Rob? He's second favourite, yeah, 11-2. to two. Um, So you're right, he won that race in Dubai. And then at the end of last season, he won, he won a big staying race over in France in Longchamp on Arc Day, actually, um, which is a Group 1. Um, so based on that, you'd think he's got a great chance going into this. Uh, it'll actually be the first time he's come up against Stradivarius, so it'll be interesting to see where he where he matches up against the, the champ. Um, I've I've challenged Stradivarius with plenty of horses over the years and always lost out, so I'm wondering whether to just sit this one out. But if I was to have a bet, it would probably be on the subjectivist. Um, he's he's got good form. God got. Um, a yeah. trainer who who campaigns horses for the Gold Cup, even though he's he's only he's not won one for a good few years. He, you know, wants to win this race. It's it's his sort of pinnacle, above all the others. My concern, I think, for subjectivist is two and a half miles. He's never gone over two and a half before. If you look at the Dubai win, it did it from the front. Uh, yeah. And I just wonder whether if he employs similar tactics, he might not be able to get home. But Mark's pretty bullish about him. He didn't take Sir Ron Priestley to the Gold Cup, did he? He took him to the Hardwick, which makes me think he's fairly bullish about subjectivist. And I think he will be a worthy second favourite to Stradivarius, but I think he needs to find a chunk of improvement to match Stradivarius. If if Stradivarius runs to the horse, we know we know he is. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a couple of interesting big bigger prices. I don't necessarily think they'll win, but Serpentine, of course, the English Guineas winner, uh, English Derby winner, sorry, from last season. I mean, he was a bit of a one-hit wonder, one from the front. He's still rated 119, by the way. So, yeah. on ratings alone, he's only got assigned six pounds. But 
he's got to have improvement. He's been campaigned over a mile and two, and now he's running two and a half. So Aiden doesn't know what to do with him to chuck him into the Well, I think he does because he supplemented him for this race at a cost of about oh, 30 true. grand. So for our listeners that don't know what supplementing means, basically these top group one races, you often have to enter the horse um, sometimes a year in advance, but normally two, three months in advance. And if you miss that window, you get another window about a week before the race. But the entry fee is significantly more. So whereas a gold cup would probably cost five grand to enter, seven times I had to pay 30 grand to supplement. Um, so you don't do it unless you've, you're quite confident that you'll get your money back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, given O'Brien's got two or three other horses already entered, I was quite surprised to hear that this one was supplemented. So I wonder if they've show, he's shown something in his work at home or... Um, could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, all I would say is because it's Coolmore, 30 grand to them is a tenner for me and you. But yeah. I, I, I do get your point that they wouldn't have supplemented him if they didn't think he was going to run a big race. I just wonder whether they haven't really been able to spark anything out of him since that derby. And actually, they think, do you know what? Let's try a marathon trip and see if it works. They can't run him in a handicap because he's racing 119. He's Route 1 winner from last season, so he's going to have penalties if he runs in races outside of Route 1s. They don't think he's a mile and a half horse anymore, so they're like, what do we do with him? And they probably thought... Let's take him to an Ascot Gold Cup and, and see what we can do with him, really. I, I think yeah. it's an interest. It's an interest. He's still, he, in fairness, he's still a cult. So they yeah, that's think it. he's got They're something to prove because they could just take him down to the stud farm as a derby winner. Uh, and, but you know. He's, he's winning one derby and then doing almost nothing else enough these days. Well, I, 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 think, I, I think winning a derby is enough to have some stud value. I think he'd yeah. probably be five or ten grand a time. But if he wins an Ascot Gold Cup and a Derby... Probably, probably double that, yeah. At least, yeah. So, we shall see. But So, Gold Cup, Rob, what's going to win? Stradivarius is going to win. Subjectivist is going to give him the best challenge he's had for a few years in the Gold Cup. Um, but come second. <laughs> OK, well, that's, that's Rob's view. And I think I agree. And I want to see Stradivarius get back to his best running at a proper trip, proper horse, and we all look forward to watching him on Thursday. Rob, that's going to be the end of our part one. Unless there's any other horses or races you want to cover on Thursday, we've touched on the Gold Cup. We're not going to go into any more detail on Thursday because we don't have 48-hour declarations at the time of recording. So we're just going to touch on the Gold Cup. Let's talk about the week then. What would be your... Is there any bets that really stand out for you for the week? Um, For the week? Oh. Well, for tomorrow. Okay, let's talk about tomorrow then. What let's bets talk stand about out tomorrow. for you tomorrow? Um, so my my nap of the week is going to be a treble, believe it or not. I'm going all guns blazing. I mean, I'm going to go Palace Pier, Patash, Poetic Flair in a treble. Current price is twenty two to one, and I'm going to stick ten my ten my imaginary ten pounds on that to win. Love it. Uh, I. Fair play. No, very nice. I, I really I fancy know. those three. I think Palace Pier is just superb horse, and it's going to be great to see him sort of cement his place in history. Batash, fastest horse in the world. Uh, and then Poetic Flair, the best three-year-old miler. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm confident with all three. So Rob's nap of the week slash day for tomorrow is a treble on Palace Pier to win the Queen Anne, Batash to win the King's Stand, and Poetic Flair to win the St. James Palace, paying a 22-to-1 treble. 
So I look forward to that coming in. Um, I am arming and ring. I think I, my bet for tomorrow, I would say, would probably be Gisburn in the commentary. So I think my nap will do. My nap of the week is Gisburn tomorrow, 13 to two, 10 pounds a win. I I think Kings Lynn will be on a really big race in the King Stand, and I've had anti-post money, as you know, on Method uh, in the um, Commonwealth. And there's a horse on Friday called Snow Lantern running in the Coronation, which I'm very sweet. Oh, I hadn't even thought Snow Lantern. Yeah, I'm uh, very much so looking forward to that. She's running. And you know what price she is, Rob? You've seen the price she is at the moment. There's no, Friday, me. Coronation, 14 to 1. What? Because she didn't win last time out. She's 14 to 1 to win the Coronation. Well, she was 14 to 1 when I backed at the end of last week. I think the last time I looked, she might be 12. But but she's, that, she's double figures anyway. Wow. So she may have come in since then, but that was the price I had. So Snow Lantern, I'm very keen on Snow Lantern later in the week. Well, she's now 12 at the moment. Yeah. 12 to 1. So I know I know she's she's unexposed, if you like, and she's not tried at Group 1 level, but she's a she's a, she's a a good horse. So look forward to that running on Friday. So all that to look forward to on Friday. We will be back with you Thursday evening. We're going to do a, a, a sort of recap and a preview of Friday and Saturday's Royal Ascot, and we'll have the 48-hour declaration, so we'll have all the handicap form, and we can get stuck into all the handicaps. Enjoy Royal Ascot tomorrow. Rob, um, I will see you on Thursday night. Anyone going, I'm going on Saturday, so we can say, say hello to me on Saturday. I'll be there on Saturday. So enjoy, everyone. Royal Ascot tomorrow, and we shall see you on Thursday. Cheers. <laughs>